Hey everybody, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. Hello, how are you doing? I am doing super well. I'm excited because school has started and it's finally here and I'm excited, I'm exhausted, all the good things, all the tired things. But yeah, law school is the thing and it's happening. Woohoo! <laughs> I really don't have anything to say other than just welcome to the podcast. I am going to be doing a quick refresher over part one. Definitely go listen to part one so you can be up to speed with what's happening. But I'm going to do a quick refresher for those of you who need it. So if you don't want it, skip ahead like 30 seconds. Basically, what we talked about last time is how the scandal started. It started with a man named Dan Carter with his emission testing team. And they noticed some irregularities with uh, Volkswagen emissions being higher than the legal limit. They presented these findings at a conference and... Officials from the California Air Resources Board, known as CARB, it caught the attention of them. And then a character named Mr. Ayala was bothered. So he ran his own test and was like, hey, these emissions are higher than they should be. So it was a lot of back and forth between CARB officials and Volkswagens until eventually Volkswagen admitted, yes, we do have defeat devices in the car. And then we also talked about what a defeat device is, which basically summed up really quick it's software in an engine that can detect when it's being tested for emissions so then it cheats the system and that is a very quick recap on part one this is part two if you're here you know that what we're going to do first is we're going to go back to the beginning there are so many motorcycles going by so if you hear them in the background so if you hear a like a loud or whatever sound motorcycles make, sorry, I can't really control anything about that. But what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the beginning and not the beginning in terms of where like the history of Volkswagen, although it is really interesting. We're going to look back to the beginning of when this scandal started. Volkswagen is a huge major company. They also have a lot of well-known subsidiaries, such as Porsche or Porsche, depending on how you say it, Audi or Audi, Bentley, Bugatti, 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 and Lamborghini. Lots of pronunciations of pronunciations of words. There we go again. Back in 2007-2008, Volkswagen and Audi were trying to sell uh, American car buyers on the idea of, quote, clean diesel, end quote. Also, kind of the same thing applies last time with my sources, Jay Ewing from the New York Times wrote so many articles about this. So unless I specifically cite another source, all of my sources are coming from his articles. You can find the breakdown of those articles in the sources in my show notes, which I will link at the end. So they were trying to sell this idea of clean diesel to American car buyers. And you know what? If you can make it work and it's a good idea, good on you. I, when I think of diesel, I think of like buses and like loud and stinky but also I've heard that diesel is clean so I don't really know I didn't look into the specifics of how cleanliness gas is because that was not the point of this episode 
But if you can make it work, if you can sell the idea, then like, good for you. Unfortunately for Volkswagen and Audi, technology to make clean diesel happen wasn't developing fast enough, especially to meet the growing and harsher fuel emission standards uh, in the United States. An internal presentation in Audi in 2007 warned, quote, deadline situation critical, end quote, when talking about the progress they were making in terms of developing engines and the stricter guidelines. This email or this presentation happened and Audi had a great idea. Hey, let's put a def- let's put a defeat device in the car. And interestingly, back in 2003, there's that motorcycle again. <laughs> in 2003, Audi had established a culture of defeat devices. There was an email that was circulated around people in the company, and in part it said, quote, defeat device, come hither, end quote, which that's a direct translation from German, so it sounded a little more snappy reading it straight from German. It also said, quote, carb won't notice, end quote which, haha, they did notice eventually. From my understanding of what happened, even though that email went around in 2003, and from the sources I found, it was kind of just like a, hey, what if we did this? But it wasn't like a, we are going to do this. But it's just interesting that that idea was brought up back in 2003. And it's also interesting that they thought CARB wouldn't notice because CARB is kind of what brought Volkswagen down to their knees in terms of this scandal. Ooh, I love scandals. I'm getting passionate, getting getting heated. There were vehicles uh, such as the Audi Q7 SUV that were equipped with a catalytic a catalytic converter that quote used injections of a chemical solution to neutralize emissions of nitrogen oxides end quote. Which that's awesome. You're eliminating those harmful chemicals and those harmful emissions. Awesome. The problem with this was the tank had to be refilled. And uh, and Audi, they didn't want to put that burden on their customers to refill the tanks, which like, honestly, that's kind of nice. I hate doing things. (laughs) I hate, I don't hate doing things. I hate doing, oh, sidebar, I hate doing necessary things, like going to go buy deodorant. Like, I don't hate deodorant, but having to go buy deodorant I don't know why it just bothers me so much. Or like when I run out of toothpaste, I'm always annoyed that I'm out of toothpaste. Like I have to go get more, but I just don't want to. Those are the things I hate doing, the necessary things, which it was nice that they didn't want to put that burden on their customers, but the technology wasn't there. Their goal was to make the vehicle be able to go 10,000 miles before the tank needed to be refilled and changed. So that way when people would take their cars in, you know, to get the oil change or maintenance or whatever, then they could just do it then as well, or the mechanics and the technicians could do it. The t- Like I said, the technology wasn't there for that to happen, though. The tanks that actually held the solution, they weren't big enough, and Audi didn't want to sacrifice interior space adding, like, another tank or making the tank bigger. So you're like, okay, well, maybe, like, you know, you just, you could sacrifice a tiny bit of room for a tank, like a second tank, but it was vetoed by an executive. I don't have the name of the executive it was vetoed by, but it was vetoed by an executive in Audi for cost reasons. So cutting corners, again, not a great idea. Just saying. So the work around this problem, because they didn't want to put in a second tank, they didn't want to make a bigger tank because of space reasons and then cost reasons as well. So, so the solution was this. The engine would have two modes. One, when it was being tested for emissions, 
which reduced emissions and it would use a lot of that chemical solution to help reduce emissions. All other times, so basically 99.99% of the car's life, the chemical solution would be used super slowly and emissions from the car would be a lot higher, aka a defeat device. So the defeat devices were starting to be used. Yikes. So that is all a precursor. That was back in 2007, 2008, 2009. So now where we're going is we're going back to Mr. Ayala shortly after he found out about these devices. He obviously was not happy about this. He said, quote, they wasted our time. It had a very significant real impact on us, end quote. Which, yeah, it does. A lot of these cars are putting out harmful chemicals into the air, and they've been doing this for who knows how long, because this this is just becoming uncovered. So this meeting where Mr. Ayala found out happened on August 18th. After this meeting, word spread really quickly among people at Volkswagen. They were like, oh shoot, we've been we've been caught. We've been got whatever people say when they get caught of doing bad things. People at Volkswagen were trying to cover their tracks. A, an in-house lawyer for Volkswagen told them to check their documents, which let's pause for a second and let's do some critical thinking. If the company I work for has been discovered to have a huge scandal, cheating, breaking laws, and the lawyer for our company or one of the in-house lawyers says, hey everybody, why don't you go check some documents, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Let's all reflect. What do we think that means? Do we think it means, you know what? I'm going to go make sure my Excel sheets are up to date. I'm going to go make sure that my Word documents have like the right date on them and that things are spelled correctly and that spell check and grammar check is done. Is that, is that what we think is going to happen? I'm going to say no. I hope you are right there with me. Because of this advice to go check their documents, 40 employees at Volkswagen and Audi deleted thousands of documents. Thousands of documents were deleted, which... Uh, well, I yeah. It's interesting. I just had to take a, an oath of professionalism for law school as kind of like a, you know, this marks your beginning into hopefully what is a very ethical and, you know, just career. This is a start of hopefully a career that will be ethical. Hopefully you'll do a good job. And one of the things they talked about was being ethical. So I thought it was interesting that all these employers are like, ethics, let's just delete these thousands of documents. Like, we got this. It's okay. That's what our lawyer said to do. Which the lawyer's like, no, I just told you to to like check your documents. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. On September 3rd, 2015, so this is under a month from when Mr. Ayala found out what was going on, Volkswagen finally admitted to regulators that there were two modes, aka the defeat device, in about 500,000 cars that were in the United States, which half a million cars, half a million cars in the United States, which I mean, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, for, but half a million, that's a lot. Winter corn which also, again, awesome last name, Wintercorn. He resigned at the end of the month. So September 2015, end of the month is when he resigned. And he was insisting that he did not know what was going on in terms of the emission scandal, which again, eh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. So this next timeline of just things happening, it comes from the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, 
from a web page they have dedicated to this entire case. So like I said, on September 3rd, Volkswagen finally admitted that there was a defeat device and that about half a million cars in the United States had that defeat device. That sucks. On September 18th, the EPA sent out a notice of violation of the Clean Air Act to Volkswagen. It said that the defeat device software was installed on 2009 to 2015 2-liter diesel cars and that the cars would emit up to 40 times the legal limit of emissions. So again, up up to 40 times the legal limit of emissions. That is everyone new like newsflash if you're alive, you're breathing air, hopefully voluntarily, maybe on a ventilator if COVID, which hopefully not. If you're listening, I hope you're not on a ventilator. You know what? Those are my nice words for the day. Hey, listener, I hope you're not on a ventilator today. And you know what? If you're listening and you're on a ventilator, first of all, thank you for tuning in. You probably have a lot of other things on your mind, but you're going to get through this. You got this. I hope, you, I hope you're breathing okay, regardless of where you're listening from. Okay. Alrighty, off topic. Okay. On September 25th, so just a week later, the EPA announced that there would be defeat device screening protocols going forward, which, awesome that they're putting those things in place. But in my mind, I'm like, why weren't those a thing before? And maybe this technology wasn't really known. That's the only thing I'm assuming is that maybe they didn't think that a, a huge corporation would try and like pull this stunt, shall we say. I guess it's good they have those things now. Why they didn't then, I don't know. Hindsight is twenty twenty. On November 2nd, uh, later that year in 2015, the EPA sent a different notice of violation of the Clean Air Act for 2014 to 2016 3.3-liter diesel cars and SUVs. These three liter diesel cars and SUVs, they would emit about nine times more emissions than the legal limit. I mean, obviously it's not good that it's above the legal limit, but at least it's not 40, right? And it's also good that these three liter diesel cars, it only goes back to 2014 versus the two liter cars. It went back all the way to 2009 to 2015, right? Isn't that awesome? Psych! Because on November 19th, Volkswagen admitted that, hey, homies, while, you know, in the fairness of disclosure, it turns out that all three liter diesel models since 2009 had the, uh, had that defeat, that pesky little defeat device in there. Just like, you know, just so you know, it's like, you know, it's not two years of cars. It's actually seven years of cars. In the full spirit of disclosure, I hope this helps. Oh my gosh, like Volkswagen, what are you doing? Like, wh- why? I don't know what possessed me just right there, but hey there. <laughs> what cars were impacted by this? Because I was telling one of my friends about this, and they're like, wait, I have a Volkswagen. And I was like, Do you, is it diesel? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, it's not that. So it has to be a diesel. I'm not going to name all of them. You can look in the show notes. I'm just going to name a couple that I know. Um, There's the Volkswagen Jetta 2009-2015, the Volkswagen Golf 2010-2015, the Volkswagen Passat 2012-2015, Porsche Cayenne, 
2003 or 2013 to 2016, the Audi A7 Quattro, the Audi A8 2014 to 2016, and the Audi Q7 2009 to 2016. And that's just about half of the cars. So lots of popular cars were advertised as being emission friendly, and in fact, they were not. So now we jump ahead a little bit. On June 28th, 2016, so this is six, seven months later, Volkswagen entered into a settlement that was multi-billions, billions with a B, to partially resolve the Clean Air Act violations by using the defeat devices on the two-liter diesel engines. And then on December 20th, 2016, Volkswagen entered into a second settlement due to the three-liter diesel engines. So all within one year, they're partially settling these. January 20 or January 6th, 2017, the EPA and CARB approved modifications for certain 2015 models of the cars, which good, there looks like they're starting to fix things. On January 11th, 2017, quote, Volkswagen agreed to plead guilty to three criminal felony counts and agrees to pay $2.8 billion in criminal penalty in separate civil resolutions on environmental, customs, and financial claims. VW agreed to pay $1.5 billion, which covers EPA's claims for civil penalties against Volkswagen as well as the U.S. Customs and Border Protection claims for customs fraud, end quote. Which I didn't even think about U.S. Customs and Borders being frauded out, but hey homies, you know, get that money from Volkswagen. I don't know if you remember, but I was ranting about the amount of cars being 500,000 and how it was a lot. There's a motorcycle again. It turns out that it was a little more than 500,000 and you're like, ah, shoot, like 700,000, maybe a million. And I'd be like, I wish. No, 11 million cars fell under this emission scandal. 11 million, million, 11 million. What? And primarily most of them are in Europe because Volkswagen just dominates over there. I do believe it's maybe, it's between 500 and 700,000 in the United States, just looking at different rough numbers I found, but the majority of them are over in Europe, which doesn't mean it's not a problem. Just, I mean, I'm in the United States. So from the United States perspective, that's still a lot of cars in the US, but in Europe, there are probably like 10 million cars that are just over there or were over there that were like, hey, homie, emissions, Psh, who knows about those standards? That's what the cars were saying. Direct quote from the cars. <laughs> The jump from 500,000 to 11 million was admitted shortly before Wintercorn resigned. Again, awesome last name. And he resigned way back when, but th that was just admitted shortly before he resigned. The company, Volkswagen, said that it would set aside around 6.5 billion euros or for United States people, $7.3 billion to ensure that all of the vehicles got up to the standards that uh, were currently in place. Which in my mind, looking at this uh, in hindsight, would it just have been cheaper to like make the cars correctly so that they could meet the regulation standards? I don't know. I would think so, but who knows. Before Wintercorn had resigned, he said in a statement that this scandal was the result of, quote, the grave errors of very few employees, end quote. So that makes me think he's try he either doesn't or is trying to give off the impression that he doesn't know a lot, 
In court documents, it was said by Mr. Winterkorn's lawyers that Mr. Winterkorn did not understand the severity of the problem. Even though I hesitate to believe that internally, it kind of does sound like he didn't really know the severity of it, but he did know what was going on. Based on the research I found, it sounds like he knew of the software and like the defeat device, but he may not have known that it violated U.S. law. If that's true, then why did you allow it in the first place? Like, were you just okay cheating and like getting around it even though you didn't know it broke U.S. law? The reason why I say that is in 2014, there was a memo that went around Volkswagen that talked about the results of the original study that West Virginia group that uh, brought all of this whole scandal to light. So in 2014, the findings of that study were over at Volkswagen. It was given to Mr. Winterkorn in a big stack of documents, so there's no way to prove that he knew about the study or actually read it. He was just given the document, so who knows if he read it. No one can confirm nor deny that. And in the memo that included the study, in part, it said, quote, It can be assumed that the authorities will then investigate the VW systems to determine whether Volkswagen implemented a test detection system in the engine control software unit, the so-called defeat device, end quote. So after this memo went around Volkswagen in 2014, there were different solutions to try and get ahead of the scandal before it broke. They could refuse to acknowledge the problem, which, not a great solution. They could try to fix the software, um, but they realized it still wouldn't meet United States guidelines. They could buy back all of the diesel cars sold in the United States and just buy them back. Remember in the first episode how we talked about the 2015 models were approved because of the Volkswagen like promise that didn't really come to fruition? Part of the reason why they didn't want to buy back all of the cars was it was after the 2015 models had gone on sale, but they needed approval for the 2016 models. So they didn't want to admit that their diesel cars weren't up to standards and then not be able to sell the new cars. So that was part of the reason why they were like, you know what, maybe we should just do just do nothing, which not great. As part of their plea agreement, Volkswagen had to agree to oversight uh, to reform their corporate culture that allowed for this to happen. And the oversight and reports were done by Larry Thompson, who was, quote, a former United States attorney who later spent several years as deputy attorney general during President George W. Bush's administration, end quote. The first report published by Larry was put out in 2018, and it basically said, Volkswagen, you're not doing a good job. They received poor grades on this report. In April of 2018 also, German police raided the offices of Porsche to see what role it had in playing in this in the scandal. Because remember, we're talking about Volkswagen. Volkswagen has subsidiaries such as Audi, Porsche, Lamborghini, Bugatti, and there's one other one that I'm forgetting. So all of these big car names are under Volkswagen. So what role did they play in all this? Who knows? That's what the German police were searching for. After this first report, they received the poor grades, not doing too hot, but things did seem to be on the up and up for Volkswagen. Their chief, their new chief executive who replaced Mr. Winterkorn, Herbert Dies or Dies? Herbert. We'll just call him Herbert. He complained that the company generated too many scandals and needed to become more ethical, which retweet Herbert, retweet. 
Ewing's article did note that Herbert would be uh, more likely to face resistance from Volkswagen members, which uh, Volkswagen, you know, being famous for, quote, its insular hierarchical corporate culture, end quote. That is a toxic work environment, if you ask me. I I don't want to be in that kind of work environment. Mr. Thompson, who again was the person who was helping with the oversight, was urging Volkswagen to create a more effective whistleblower system so that employees could report wrongdoing without uh, fear of retribution from their bosses or supervisors or anyone else in the company. With Mr. Thompson's uh, oversight, the report was released every year for three years. So after the third year, it was determined that the company had met the conditions of the plea deal. What Volkswagen had done is they made it easier for employees to report wrongdoing. They delegated more responsibility to lower level managers to try to make the company less hierarchical. And then their new chief executive, Mr. Dies, Dies, or Herbert, excuse me, he does acknowledge that even though the automotive industry is a very competitive market, they, and they being Volkswagen, have to be careful not to cross the line into unethical, which, yes, very true. Also in 2020, on September 9th, a court ruled that they had enough evidence to bring charges against Mr. Winterkorn for the emissions cheating scandal. So again, that's why I was kind of like, how much did he really know or not know? Because there's enough evidence to bring charges upon him, which if he really did know things that were going on, then I think he deserves to be prosecuted. He at least deserves his day in court. He shouldn't be able to get away with it if he did know what was going on. A court in Munich... Uh, at the end of September 2020, heard evidence of another former chief executive from Volkswagen named Rupert Stadler. He was accused of continuing to sell cars in California and Washington even after regulators discovered the cheating code. But both Mr. Winterkorn and uh, Mr. Stadler both deny wrongdoing. And that's the latest update I could find on those two. So I don't, I don't really know if I buy it. Uh, but yeah, so they're denying their wrongdoing. And interestingly enough, in 2021, Volkswagen announced that it would seek financial compensation from its former chief executive and another department head for failing to act after uh, knowing about the software. I don't really know how much money they're hoping to get out of those people because if they were fired and now they're like kind of shamed out of the industry, I don't really know how that's going to work, but cool. You know, I guess you do you maybe, but maybe don't because you did the emission scandal thing. A lawyer was hired to review evidence against Mr. Winterkorn. It was said that Mr. Winterkorn failed, quote, to comprehensively and promptly clarify the circumstances behind the use of the unlawful software functions, end quote. It also said that Winterkorn didn't ensure that questions by U.S. authorities, quote, were answered truthfully, completely, and without delay, end quote. So basically what I've gathered is Mr. Winterkorn was seemingly being a shady character and like not answering questions, not maybe telling the truth. I'm kind of bummed because I love the name Wintercorn and I'm just bummed that he decided to uh, not use his last name for the good. He used it for evil. It, you know, the emissions thing, not super great. So we've talked about this scandal about kind of how many vehicles it impacted, how widespread it was. So how much did it cost Volkswagen? Because we haven't talked about that yet. To date, and this is as of October 2020, that I could find reliable information about, the company had booked about 35 
billion dollars of charges to earning. So they've been charged about $35 billion up until this point, and this is coming from a Fortune article by Colvin. So $35 billion worth of charges. In the first two months of the scandal, the company lost the equivalent of $42.5 billion in its value, mainly from shareholders, so like probably on the stock market. And then in 2015, before the scandal, Volkswagen was ranked the world's 18th most valuable brand, and in 2020, it had lowered its position down to 25th most valuable. So quite a big financial impact, which honestly... In my opinion, I think it was deserved because you shouldn't shouldn't be doing that. So it's cost Volkswagen all of this all of this money and they've it seems like they've been doing what they've been needing to do. You know, they met the standards of the appeal, the reports they got good grades on. So let's bring it back to where we started. What about that research team that discovered all of this? And as a reminder, this whole scandal, this 35-40 billion dollar scandal started off with a $70,000 research grant. $70,000 started off this whole scandal. That it, it just blows my mind when I hear that. In 2016, about a year after the scandal broke, and billions of dollars had already been agreed, up, agreed upon to be paid from Volkswagen, Dan Carter, the director of the center that discovered this whole scandal, he said, quote, I still have sleepless nights trying to figure out how I'm going to pay the guys the next pay cycle, end quote. That sucks that people doing important work like that are stressed about how they're going to pay their employees. They should, he, they, that whole department, I feel like should have gotten a good chunk of money from Volkswagen. Oh, that would have been the ultimate punishment. Volkswagen had to pay them, the the person who discovered the scandal. That'd be kind of cool. Even though it's unfortunate that the center, at least as of that quote, was still kind of nervous about money, Mr. Carter was named as one of the top 100 influential people in Time Magazine in 2016, which is pretty cool. I And like I said, I couldn't really find anything specific as to if and if so, how much money they received from this whole scandal um, in terms of like the discovery and the importance of it. And I really just want to wrap this up with a quote from one of the graduate students who helped discover the scandal. This was him talking about the high emissions that they found early on in 2014. Quote, It was interesting, but we never thought it would blow the lid off a of Volkswagen. Never, ever. End quote. And that concludes part two and the entire wrap up of the Volkswagen emissions scandal. I interjected my thoughts so much throughout this podcast. I am just, I'm glad that it was discovered. It's crazy how it was kind of discovered by accident. Like no one was looking for this, but someone found it. What started off as a $70,000 research grant ended up being a 35 to $40 billion scandal for one of the largest companies in the world. I love this scandal because it's so interesting of how it came to be and how it came to light, but I also hate it because as we talked about in this episode, starting back in 2003, people were joking about defeat devices in Audi. They put them in and they were like, oh, hey, instead of half a million vehicles, it's actually 11 million vehicles. Even if, even if you know, you weren't one of the people who drove one of those Volkswagens, not that it's your fault because you know, you didn't know at the time, anybody 
driving one of those vehicles drove past schools, drove past homes, neighborhoods, hospitals, retirement centers, they were putting out way more harmful emissions than is and was allowed. That impacts everybody. We all breathe air. I mean, it's not the same air, but if I'm walking on a sidewalk, it's it's nice to know that the emissions coming out of the cars on the road are at least being regulated in theory. Obviously, you don't want to breathe in emissions, but if you're going to breathe in some emissions, you would hope that they would be held to a certain standard. And it just sucks that Volkswagen like was like, ah, who cares about that? We want to sell cars. It's just so frustrating. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. It was just so frustrating to do this research, but I, I really enjoyed doing it. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to keep up with the latest, you can follow us on Instagram at Scandal101Podcast, on Twitter at Scandal101Pod. Search us on Facebook. If you search Scandal101Podcast, you'll find our Facebook page, our website, Scandal101Podcast.podbean.com. And then if you have a suggestion for a case, send it uh, either over DM on social media or uh, send us an email, Scandal101Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed doing this two-parter. It was pretty information heavy, but I hope you feel enlightened about what this scandal truly encompassed, which I think was greed and money. I think that's what it boiled down to, was how can we sell the most amount of cars and who cares if we do it the right way? That's, That's what I think. But again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And this has been episode 13 of Scandal 101.